Proclaim My Word in partnership with AM 1160 The Quest, Atlanta Catholic Radio, bring you the Letter to the Ephesians Bible Study. The purpose of this study is to help you live God's Word daily and help increase your faith and trust in Him. This show is made possible by listeners like you. To support Proclaim My Word, go to ProclaimMyWord.org and hit the Donate button. You'll also find the link to register for the current study and receive the study guide at ProclaimMyWord.org. Thank you for your generosity in helping us evangelize by spreading His Word. Welcome to the Bible study on the letter to the Ephesians. I'm Linda, and I'm here with Carrie Allen, the founder of Proclaim My Word, a ministry dedicated to helping us know God's word so we can live his word and have the courage to proclaim his word, just as the opening theme song encourages us to do. Carrie, before we begin our episode two, chapter two, in Paul's letter to the Ephesians called, Who Are You Now? Will you lead us in the opening prayer that can be found on page three of the study guide? Yes, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, I desire to know you, to love you, and to serve you. Always be with me, Lord. Open my heart to hear and live your word today and every day. Help me to keep your word in my heart, so my personal relationship with your Son, Jesus Christ, will grow ever deeper. I pray for the wisdom and courage to proclaim the gospel with confidence so others will be led to you and your gift of salvation. Let the light of my love for you be seen so that others will be drawn to your love and mercy. May I have the wisdom to do your will and to follow you on earth as my Lord and Savior until I return to you. Thank you, Lord, for all the many ways you continue to bless me and those I love. Prepare me for whatever the future may bring. Help me to daily walk by faith and not by sight, ever willing to proclaim your word and your marvelous deeds. Bless me with faith and courage to trust and obey you at all times. When I walk through dark valleys, give me the grace to know that you are always with me and always hear my prayers. Help me to persevere, Lord, as I wait with hope to spend eternity with you. My trust is in you, Jesus, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Carrie. Just a reminder, if you've downloaded the study guide, you can follow along with us as we go through each episode. It would be very helpful if you answer the questions in the study guide if you're able. You can meet with a small group, listen to the podcast, and then discuss the questions among the group members. Others enjoy simply doing the Bible study on their own with the Holy Spirit. Your choice. As I mentioned, today we are studying chapter two in Paul's letter to the Ephesians titled, Who Are You Now? But first, Carrie, can you give us a brief recap about what we learned in the first episode? Sure. In our last episode called Chosen by Him for Him, Paul wants to make sure that we know and never forget that God intentionally chose each one of us to be here right now. He chose to love us, to save us, to forgive us, to redeem us, and to protect us until we return to him for eternity. You exist because you are his will. There are no accidents. He also chose to give each one of us spiritual gifts. We need to discern what our gifts are and use them 
not only to bless us, but so we can bless others and help them return to him. As Paul said in the last chapter, last week, each one of us was chosen in him before the foundation of the world. We are destined by God's will, and we exist for the praise of his glory. In other words, we exist to glorify God by praising him, which brings him honor and gratitude for all he has done and all he continues to do for us. Think about it. When do we in the Catholic Church together bring glory to God? During the Gloria, which is filled with praise for God. As it says, we worship you, we give you thanks, we praise you for your glory. That's the main purpose of the Mass, to worship God and to praise him for his glory. We don't attend Mass to be entertained. We are there to give him our worship. But you can't outgive God. What does he do for us at the Mass through the Holy Spirit? He gives us the precious body and blood of his Son to feed us and to strengthen us as we find our way to him for eternity. We also learned that the purpose of this letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians was to help encourage and strengthen their faith because they were surrounded by pagan practices and idolatry. I think today we also need to be encouraged and strengthened in our faith as we are surrounded by the worldly attitude that everything should be believed and accepted, even that which we know to be sin in the eyes of God. Paul knows that we aren't meant to live in fear, and that's why he is reminding us at the end of chapter 1 that Jesus Christ is ultimately in control of our lives, and he is in control of the world. And no matter what happens, Paul wants us to know that we are not alone. We need to just keep trusting and knowing that God our Father has our back and that he is protecting us. Thank you, Carrie, for giving us that refresh on our last episode. Now I will take a moment to read the prologue for chapter 2. Paul reminds the Ephesians that their God, who is rich in mercy and infinite in love, loved them even when they were dead in sin. Now he has made them alive with Christ and raised them up together with him in heavenly places, Jews and Gentiles alike. Their separation and enmity was healed by the cross. By grace, they have been saved through God's gift of faith, a faith impossible to achieve through their own strengths or abilities. All believers are his chosen people, his workmanship created for good works. They have been reconciled with God and will have a seat reserved for them in heaven. Once they were strangers without hope, but now they are included in God's family by the blood of Christ. Christ is the cornerstone. In him, the whole body of believers is fitted together as a holy temple. I'll turn it back to you, Carrie, as we begin chapter two. Okay, so now in chapter two, Paul is telling us who we are and who we belong to. Our identity doesn't come from what we do or what we have. Rather, our identity comes from who we know, believe, and trust, and that is Jesus Christ. You belong to him. He bought and paid your ransom with his body and blood out of love, not out of obligation. God does not owe us anything. As his adopted child, we owe him everything. I like the title of this episode, Who Are You Now? Hopefully, it will remind us that we are not the same person we were B.C. before Christ. Paul opens chapter 2 by telling us that before Christ, we were dead in our transgressions and sins. We were following the world in our own will and desires. 
According to William Barclay, there are three directions in which the effect of sins are deadly. First, sin kills innocence. No one is ever the same after sin. Second, sin kills ideals, and each sin makes the next sin easier. Third, sin kills the will because it can become a habit where we become a slave to sin. Verses 2 and 3 say, At one time before Christ, we were following the wrong ruler, or in other words, the world. We gave in to the flesh, and we were by nature children of the wrath. But through God's mercy and love, he brought us to new life with Christ. And now we are children of the light, no longer living in darkness. I wonder today if there are many people who aren't making the same mistakes by following the world and the wrong leaders instead of the person they knew at one time to be the truth, Jesus Christ. Can't that happen even to Christians now? who once knew the truth but are now being influenced by the world and what they read on the Internet or hear on the news that is leading them away from their faith and truth? I love the way Paul describes the before picture and then says, But God, but God, who is rich in mercy because of the great love he had for us, even when we were dead to our sins, brought us to life with Christ. Life with Christ means willing to forgive. It means loving others, even our enemies, and it means having the desire to serve. This is what life should look like because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. I think most of us could say that we have a before and after image of the life we used to live before we knew Christ and the life we now live because God intervened and saved us through grace. Sometimes you can't appreciate where you are now until you know where you have been. As the song Amazing Grace says, I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. I love verse 6 in Ephesians chapter 2 that says, By grace you have been saved, raised up with him, and seated up with him in the heavens. Do you know what that means? It means that you have a reservation in heaven with your name on it. He has saved a seat for you at the heavenly banquet. And all you have to do is RSVP. You know what that means, right? It means please respond to your host, the one who has prepared the banquet just for you. Every time you see the host lifted up at Mass, think of it as an invitation to the heavenly banquet he has prepared just for you. Because of what Jesus did for you on the cross, because you have been adopted and you are a child of God, because of who you are now, a seat has been reserved for you in heaven, and you certainly don't want to be a no-show. Paul continues to tell us in his letter to the Ephesians what the before picture looks like without Christ when he says in verses 11 and 12, At one time we were living in the flesh, alienated from the community, strangers to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. Remembering who you were before Christ isn't about guilt or reliving the sins of your past. 
Rather, it's about seeing how far you have come and to be grateful for God's grace that brought you here right now. And hopefully, it will also help keep you from returning to old habits that could draw you away from God. Rather, it will help you create new habits, drawing you closer to Him. Here's a question you may want to ask yourself. Is what I am doing right now in my life bringing me closer to Jesus, or is it taking me further away from Him? Linda, one of the questions in the study guide asks, what helped you leave your old life behind? Can you tell us what helped you leave your old life behind? I carry up until that question. I thought I had the easy part of this discussion. <laughs> but um, let's see, to answer your question, looking back many years ago, I was feeling God's pull on my life. I had more drama than I wanted in a sense that life was not as fulfilling as I envisioned it to be. I wasn't Catholic at the time, but it was around the end of that particular year when I sensed there must be something more. So I made a New Year's resolution to start going back to church. I literally used the phone book to find the church, but that one decision started a journey better than I ever could have imagined. Linda, even though you you may have been far away from God in the past, the you now is drawing closer to Jesus Christ by searching for the truth and by being in his word, just as you are right now. Being grateful for who you are now also helps to remind you how rich our God is in his mercy and his love. Paul tells us twice in this chapter, by grace you have been saved. Your faith in Christ has saved you. You and me are saved through his gift of grace. Even your faith is a gift from God, and there isn't anything you can do to earn that gift of grace. Paul tells us that we can't boast about our faith because it's what God has done for us, and it isn't anything we have done for ourselves. Now, please don't take this the wrong way, but none of us are worthy of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. We are not worthy but we are deeply loved and extremely valuable to God our Father. I don't know about you, Linda, but when I discovered that there wasn't anything I could do that would make me worthy of what Jesus did for me, it was a great relief because I never felt worthy of salvation. I didn't think I could ever do anything to be worthy of what he did for me. And then I found out how very true that was, that there wasn't anything I could do to be worthy. You could pray 20 rosaries a day and it wouldn't make you worthy. You could work in homeless shelters 24-7 and it wouldn't make you worthy. This is what Paul says in chapter 2, verse 9. It is not from works, so no one may boast. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying don't pray and serve the poor. Yes, of course we pray and serve the poor, but not to be saved. But because Jesus has saved us, he is saving us, and we hope to be saved. We pray and serve in thanksgiving and gratitude for God's love for us and to help the lost find salvation through Jesus Christ. So they too one day can sit at his heavenly banquet. So the point is that nothing, nothing you do will make you worthy, but you are priceless. We are so priceless and so valuable that only Jesus could pay our entire debt. He 
bought us and claimed us as his own through his blood so we could have a reservation at his banquet table in heaven. I'm sure you're familiar with John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him might not perish but have eternal life. This is why it's so important to share your faith with others so they won't perish but have eternal life. And if that's not comfortable for you, Invite them to a Bible study or ask them to join you in this podcast and let them hear about God's love for them and what he did to save them. Paul tells us that each one of us has been created for the good works God has prepared for us in advance. This is why it's so important not only to discern what spiritual gifts God has given you, but to use those gifts. I love the quote by Mother Teresa that says, let Jesus use you without consulting you. Let Jesus use you without consulting you. So, will you let God use you? And will you ask him what good works has he prepared for you? I believe that the good works he has prepared for us changes with the seasons of our lives. When I was in the eighth grade, I remember wondering and praying about my vocation. I thought maybe I should be a nun. I spoke with a priest about it and then none, but neither one encouraged me to go in that direction. I even went and did a home visit to a convent called the Sisters of Good Shepherd. Their mission was to help troubled teenage girls. Even though that wasn't God's plan for me, I guess I still got what I wanted, albeit much later in life. I got the opportunity to raise three teenage granddaughters at the same time. And yes, God does have a sense of humor. He even threw in a teenage grandson. I prayed for the second coming before the oldest one turned into a teenager, but obviously that didn't happen. What do we have to do to take part in God's gift of faith and salvation? We have to say yes. Yes, I not only believe in you, Lord, but I accept your will for me. Just like Mary said, Let it be done unto me according to your will. She didn't say, "Um, let me think about it, or are there any other options? She just said, yes. She didn't have to say yes. The choice was hers. All God needs from you is to say yes to his will. The one thing he will never take away from you is your free will. So the choice is yours. As St. Augustine said in the Ponder quote in your study guide, he who created us without our help will not save us without our consent. God will never stop loving you, and he will never stop pursuing you, and he will never force you to accept him without your consent. Your choices determine who you are and where you will spend eternity. God's Word is about helping us make those right choices and helping others do the same. I'm sure we can all remember times when we made the wrong choices and consented to our will and not God's. When confronted with making major choices in life, it's always good to ask yourself, is this choice leading me towards heaven or is it leading me towards hell? And that should give you your answer. 
Paul goes on in Ephesians chapter 2 to encourage the Gentiles and us to remember what was life like before Jesus Christ when we were on the outside, alienated, without hope and without God. In the past, the Gentiles had no hope because they were shut out from the presence of God. There was a barrier between them and the Israelites who treated them as outsiders. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, he tore down that barrier and made all of us equal in God's eyes. This is what Paul said in Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free person. There is not male and female. For you are all one in Jesus Christ. Through God's grace, and the gift of salvation, each one of us is a new person. Jesus created peace and reconciliation with God, and because of that, we now have access to God our Father. Jesus brought Jew and Gentile together, and he created a new kind of person. They remained Jews and Gentiles, but as St. John Chrysostom said, it is as if one should melt down a statue of silver and a statue of lead, and the two should come out gold. The Gentiles were new people, and we're no longer strangers or outsiders, and neither are we. We are citizens of heaven. Our life here is just temporary. Our true home is in heaven for eternity, where hopefully we will be reunited with our loved ones. Paul is reminding the Gentiles of what life was like before Christ and how their lives are now different because of him. Linda, why do you think it's good to remember our past, but not to dwell on our mistakes or wrong choices? That's a good question. I think one of the main reasons is that it gives us great hope for the journey of life. I will give you an example of something that we know intuitively but often forget. Just recently, I actually decided to look back in my own life at the times when I was anxious or uncertain about the future, when I thought a particular situation had an awful outcome. But in hindsight, I could see that it was actually God setting me up for something better. Mm. I actually stopped and did this reflection of my whole life for the first time, not just one thing here or there. I really looked back from beginning till present. When I did, I really could not recall one instance of any consequence where the situation that seemed so bad at the time was the actual, quote unquote, the end of the story. Mm-hmm. Even for those who I loved you know, very dearly who had passed on, I don't believe that is the end of the story. Right. Ironically, that is what gives me the most fortitude to persevere each and every day. And I encourage everyone to take some time to reflect upon their own lives. It personally left me with great joy and confidence in our Lord. Mm, that's great advice and insight. And that's why it's so important to look back and see where God really has been for you. I also remember a time many years ago, BC before Christ, when I had left the Catholic Church to pursue my own interest without restraints. It was on a Saturday afternoon at a very low period in my life. And for weeks, if not months, I kept hearing this tape in my head that kept repeating, go home, go home. And I couldn't stop the tape. I even flew home to Detroit one weekend to see if that was what I was supposed to do. But the tape didn't stop. So one Saturday afternoon, when I kept hearing that tape, go home, go home, I decided to give the church another chance. I knew there were confessions at the cathedral at four o'clock. 
And before I went into that confessional, I remember saying to myself, if this priest gives me a hard time for being away for so long, I will leave and never come back. Well, as you can tell, that didn't happen. He was wonderful. I walked out of the confessional, stepped into the pew to say my penance, and I never heard the tape again. I knew I was home. The Catholic Church was my home. God pursued me until I could find my way back home. Is God pursuing you right now? If so, will you let him catch you, hold you, and love you so you can find your way back home? There's only one place to go to be safe in his arms and in his church. As Peter said in the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 67 and 68, when Jesus asked him, Do you also want to leave? Peter responded, Master, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. God is always loving us, always forgiving us, always pursuing us, and always protecting us if we let him. Well, finally, I was in the safest place I could be, and I was on my way to becoming who he created me to be, rather than being who I thought I should be or who the world thought I should be. I was building my life on the wrong foundation rather than building it on what Paul tells us in Ephesians 2.20, that we are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ himself as the capstone. A capstone or cornerstone is a very large stone. Every Catholic church has a capstone. A capstone or a cornerstone can do one of two things. It can either hold a building up or it can be a stumbling block, as Paul quotes from Isaiah in Romans 9.33. Behold, I am laying a stone in Zion that will make people stumble and a rock that will make them fall. And whoever believes in him shall not be put to shame. Don't let your past hold you back. Don't dwell on the past. Just be grateful that you are no longer there and that you are a new creation. As Paul says in verse 13, you who once were far off have become near by the blood of Christ. You who once were far off have become near by the blood of Christ. Never forget who you are. You are a child of God, and you belong to his son, Jesus Christ. Being near to Christ is where you will find peace, because Jesus is peace. He came to bring peace to everyone, but sadly, not everyone will accept his peace. If you're looking for peace in your life and in your heart, get closer to Jesus. Spend more time with him in prayer, listening to him. Continue being in his word. Spend time in the Adoration Chapel, praising him and asking him for the courage and the strength to do his will. You and I have been given the gift of salvation. How often do you thank him for the greatest gift you will ever get? It is his grace alone that will take you home, where you will have eternal peace. But until we return home, where we will find our forever peace, he has a plan for you and me. And he has prepared good works for each one of us. Remember, 
whatever good works God has prepared for you, he will give you the grace you need to accomplish his will. God's plan is to protect you. He intentionally chose you to belong to him. Linda, as we near the end of our episode today, Who Are You Now?, Can you tell us what you think you can begin doing to live his word more fully? Yeah, Carrie, I think one thing that seems rather simple but could bear great fruit is related to that quote from St. Augustine. Mm -hmm. He who created us without our help will not save us without our consent. I want to keep growing and maturing in my faith. So I think it would be a good thing to express my consent in prayer ahead of time and let him know that I trust him to keep guiding me and moving me forward in the path that he wants me to go. Mm-hmm. If I do that proactively, that will ensure that he is my cornerstone that I build my life upon and I'm not the stumbling block getting in the way. <laughs> That's great. So Carrie, um, before we conclude, we do have some time for my favorite part, proclaim my word unplugged. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm gonna start off, there's so many great things that you brought up in this session. I'm gonna start with, talked a little bit about confession. Mm-hmm. you coming back to the church mm-hmm. and we know the sacraments is is the truly divine vehicles that we have to really be sanctified so if someone is away from the church how do they go about going to confession or coming back in the church what mm-hmm. any advice that you have because i know that's a hard thing for people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well i think the the best thing to, well there are a couple of things you can do number one you can call the parish ask for a priest and ask for a, a personal meeting with the priest to go to confession. And if you're not comfortable with that, uh, just find out when their confession times are and show up either face to face or behind the screen. It, it really doesn't matter. What matters is that you go. Yes. It matters is that you go. Mm-hmm. How'd you feel when you came out of there besides having that tape answered and turned off? How did you feel? Unbelievable. I felt like this whole weight had been lifted up there was such peace Mm -hmm. and I never heard that tape again that's great yeah you spoke about peace in this session as well Mm -hmm. and the you know prince of peace describe for people what the peace of God feels like and distinguish it from when we feel like things are just going well in life Mm -hmm. you know we don't have any problems per se because we can get really busy with just an okay great life with Mm -hmm. no problems but the true peace of God passes all understanding. So mm-hmm, how is that different? Mm-hmm. Well, not having any problems in life does not mean you're at peace. You know? <laughs> True. Um, but we're all going to have problems in life, right? Mm-hmm. We're all going to suffer in one way or another for different reasons, for illnesses, for loss of a loved one, financial reasons, whatever. But this is where trusting God is so important. Trusting God is what brings us peace. Because when you trust him, then you know that he is going to take care of you. You may not see it for a long time. You may not see it until you meet him on Judgment Day. But it's believing that he is in control, that he is no matter what happening, what is happening in your life, that he is there for you, taking care of you. And uh, you may not feel it. But your feelings do not always tell you the truth. All you have to do is believe it and say, you know, Lord, I trust that that you are here with me. I trust that you are taking care of me during this difficult time in my life. 
I think that's a good point that you bring up about can't trust your feelings. No, no. And sometimes it requires us, especially if we're really down to say it out loud. I trust you, Jesus. Yeah. You know? Say it until you believe it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, say it until you believe it. And you think, you know, St. Faustine is the divine mercy image, you know. At, yeah. What's it say at the bottom? It's, yeah. it's about trust. It's about trust. <laughs> and it's for us to be, that's what we're, um, we often lack. The Letter to the Ephesians Bible Study, a partnership of Proclaim My Word and the Quest, will continue in moments on AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. This is Susan Milani from St. Catherine of Siena Catholic Church in Kennesaw, Georgia. You're listening to AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. And now we return to the Letter to the Ephesians Bible Study, a partnership of Proclaim My Word and AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. So another question I'm going to ask you is um, adult children who've left the faith. That is a big one. That's I think. a real big one. I think that we all are enduring right now our children, our family members, brothers and sisters, aunts, uncles, spouses who have left the church. That's a tough one. And I think I addressed this in one of the later episodes. Mm -hmm. Paul said, he who began a good work in you will see it to completion. Mm -hmm. I hang on to that one because I know that God began a good work in these people at one time. Yep. And he is going to see it to completion. and I think your faith has a lot to do with with saving your own children, your own family members, and it's not hitting them over the head with it. Mm-hmm. It's just living it without saying it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's an act of trust. That's a total act of trust. When you don't say something, because yeah. it's easy to buy them a Bible, tell them to go to this podcast, send them you scriptures and devotions every day yep but... i've done it all <laughs> yeah doesn't work <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's not for want of trying but at the same time it's also that can be what pushes the person away that's right that's right and um you may not be the best person to bring that person back yeah so pray that the lord will bring someone into their path mm-hmm that will help bring them back. back. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, so that's uh, interesting. I have a, a kind of a funny example on that. This was years ago. I was doing a presentation, and the date that I was given for the presentation was actually the day before the presentation. Oh. And I flew out of town back and forth same day, and I get there and I realize, no, it's actually the next day. So I decide to just, you know, go with it. It was an accident, buy some clothes, you get a hotel room and all of that. Well, someone that was there saw how I responded to it and was like, wow, I'd be more annoyed. I was like, you know, things happen. And then the only thing that it really was something I couldn't move the schedule around was something at church. <laughs> and we started talking and said, are you Catholic? He's like, no, but I've been going to that church for 20 years. I said, oh, my, that's so great. You go to mass with your family and everything. And uh, I said, you know, you could come into church by X time, like by Christmas. You know, you've been you know, going for 20 years. When that mass happened, where he came into the church, his wife introduced me to her mother who had prayed for him mm-hmm. 
since they were dating. Mm. Mm. What I did was merely God putting me in a place. And Mm -hmm. luckily, I did not go crazy when the scheduling change happened. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he saw that and it gave an opportunity for a good discussion. But that woman's prayers were there. And so someone came into his path Mm -hmm. that helped. But that was really those prayers you know, mm-hmm. weren't completed mm-hmm. yet. You know, they were, the, right. they hadn't been achieved yet, but, um, the, the goal, but doesn't mean that they weren't working all along. That's right. I mean, look at St. Monica prayed 40 years for St. Augustine. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it took one verse in scripture for him to hear that brought him back to the Lord. Yeah. So all of those things are happening. And that goes back to, I think what's really big in chapter two, which I love is I love stories. I love good stories. And doesn't matter what form. I love reading. I read a ton of books, and I love the story arc. You know, there's this something, some person that you know you pretty much like has a good life. They're kind of ambling through life, and then all of a sudden, boom! Something happens, and they fall, mm-hmm. and they go down in the pit. And then the rest of the story is them getting you know pulled out of it. And I think you know we know the greatest story ever told mm-hmm. is the story of our redemption, our salvation, mm-hmm. and that's what Paul is spending so much time talking about here. But it's like I really got it when I thought, okay, so here's Adam and Eve. Serpent comes in. He's cunning. They fall. They can't get themselves out, and nor can they get everybody, all of us out mm-hmm. with them. And here we are with the Holy Spirit where Jesus comes down, redeems us, and then the Holy Spirit for the rest of time is pulling us out and sanctifying us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just truly is incredible. That's unbelievable. Yeah. A friend, an atheist friend once told me, uh, Christianity doesn't make sense. And I told him, you're absolutely right. He was stunned that I (laughs) said that. You're right. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't. (laughs) But it's the truth. It doesn't because we're, because of the whole fact that like we have a part in this. That's what I think Paul clearly knows here. And we'll see it also in the next chapter is he really does know that what his role is in Mm -hmm. this. He certainly does. And even though he's in prison, he's happy and joyful and because he knows his part of, he's part of the plan. And he knows that his suffering is part of the plan. Yeah. And his, he suffers willingly in prison for us. That is beautiful to think of that. Mm-hmm. And it also is something to take for us that we, that suffering has power. Suffering has power and suffering has meaning. Mm-hmm. We're all going to suffer, whether you're an atheist or a Christian, we're all going to suffer. So our suffering can be beneficial or not. Mm-hmm. It's like I heard someone say, why are people so afraid of dying when it's an inevitable? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so suffering is, it's going to happen. Exactly. It's like dying, it's going to its going to happen. But so if we can just uh, sort of, you know, in uh, marry ourselves to that, in a way that we can lift it up for someone else, uh, then we start to see ourselves as part of that plan. Because we are, whether we we are part of the plan, whether we participate or not. Oh, absolutely. Resist or not. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, one thing too that uh, you had mentioned was about um, who we trust. Mm-hmm. It's important to know who we trust. Absolutely. So, think, think about who, who people are trusting right now, mm-hmm. what they're hearing and believing is the truth. You know, we don't so much have a, 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 a crisis, a faith crisis is a crisis of truth. And I think even along with that is a crisis of love. 
that's mm. going on right now because people are believing the father of lies which is Satan. Satan's job is to lie to us, to sell it, tell us partial truths, and to get us away from the church, to get us away from Jesus Christ. And um, that's why it's so important to uh, take advantage of the sacraments. That's why it's so important to be at Mass to and to stay in the state of grace so that we're not so easily swayed mm-hmm. by the, the father of lies. Yeah, and... and- Father of Lies, the M.O. is the same as it was in the garden. It's still the same divide. Say, hey, do you, can you really trust God? Uh, if you do this, you'll be like that. Mm-hmm. All those things, it's the same typical right. tactics. Yeah, and so if you think your prayers aren't being answered and then uh, Satan is saying in your ear, see, God doesn't hear your prayers. God's not. God doesn't love you. Mm-hmm. Well, those are all lies. Yeah, He does hear your prayers. He is answering you. Maybe not the way you want but the way you need mm-hmm. and that's another thing talk about feelings so you said feelings you can't trust your feelings but we also i think it's good to question our feelings and when we receive something like what you just said god doesn't hear you or something that brings you down or makes you anxious we should definitely question that that's right that's right that's right i'm not saying uh, your, your feelings never trust your feelings mm-hmm. i'm just saying be discern about your feelings exactly because uh let's say i feel like god doesn't exist well that's not true <laughs> just because i feel that way it's not true <laughs> no that's very good uh, and you're talking about discernment so you and making decisions of what we do in life uh, talk a little bit about how important it is to pr- develop as well as practice discernment discernment <laughs> I think discernment is critical because, as I said earlier, um, your choices in life, your decisions, and I'll add your discernment, will determine where you spend eternity. Mm. When I was in college, the history professor, I took a summer history course, the professor said, I will give anyone an A if you can tell me what makes you you. Well, there was no DNA at the time, and you know. That was quite a while ago. Well, there was DNA. We just didn't know Well, we didn't it. know about it. Right, 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 right. <laughs> we weren't testing for it. And um, so we, we tried our best to figure it out because everybody wanted to get an A and not attend class. Mm-hmm. And everything we came up with was not correct. So the, the class was over. I had to take it, and everybody else did too. But at a party one night, I ran into someone who also took his class that did know the answer. And I convinced him to tell me what the answer was. <laughs> And the answer was your choices. Your choices, your decisions are what determines who you are. And then that determines where you will end up. Wow. That, okay, so say that again just because that's, that's so profound. Your choices, your decisions, your discernment while you are on earth determines where you will spend eternity. Yeah. And that is, it's, it's good and bad because yeah. we participate. Yeah. So we're not just out here separated from everything. Right. We actually have a part in it, but it's also kind of frightening. Right. That- That's why I said earlier in the uh, commentary, if you're not sure about a decision, I'm talking about an important decision. Ask yourself, is this decision leading me closer to the Lord, closer to heaven 
or closer to hell, mm -hmm. to Satan, which so that helps determine who's trying to influence you to make sure you're not being influenced to go in the wrong direction. Satan loves company and he <laughs> wants us with him, mm -hmm. but God wants us with him more and he is more powerful obviously than satan so it depends and, on who we're listening to and discernment just in you saying that asking that question does it which way does it pull me closer to heaven or closer to hell to god to the devil what it takes is that interruption of time mm -hmm. I and mean, it's so important we know that we're when we're tempted like if we're in a conversation with someone and it's getting like maybe it's an okay conversation that's getting a little bit towards gossip or uncharitable right. talk right. that's where we can stop and pray even if we're in a group we can stop and pray and ask the lord you know to help us through this temptation but it's the same with discernment that we have to stop and consider mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We, we say yes or we say no or we just keep moving and we don't even know we never really made a decision we just went along with the flow right that's not a great state to be in mm -hmm. just going along with the flow yeah that's that's a very dangerous place so speaking of that how do you teach because you had the grandchildren so you and that that was from very young you know, through today how do you teach young people i mean we know that we have to be careful on the internet and things like that like don't do this or that because that could be a problem but it's a bigger thing than just the internet right right um i think a part of it is children love to hear stories mm. tell them stories bible stories are great blessing them seeing let them bless you too mm -hmm. which is which is great and i use holy water and and i used to bless my uh grandchildren until they got to be teenagers and they didn't want you touching their foreheads or messing <laughs> up their makeup you know so i would just take the bottle and sprinkle the back their backs as they were walking out the door um so and having symbols around more so than what you say, but having symbols around, do you have a crucifix in your home? Is there a Bible visible? Um, like my parents never said anything to us about, uh, in fact, they didn't even go to church on Sunday. Um, but we had images and, and we knew what they believed. And uh, I think your actions, your symbols, and uh, talking, praying with them. And, so, and, and something must have been there because eighth grade you were discerning exactly. a vocation. Exactly. So what do you attribute that to besides God? <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I attribute it to mm -hmm. is, is the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I felt very close to, I used to go to daily mass as a child. Wow. Would walk, when, you, when a child could walk out by themselves. Mm -hmm. I would go to daily mass, even on weekends. I mean, not just Sunday, Saturdays as well. So. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that, I never knew that. I never yeah. knew that. So yeah. that, but that's great. And then, so someone else who was very young was Mary mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and her yes. And I think what struck me as you were kind of mentioning that was the fact that, and it goes with what your last answer was, is that Mary was definitely knew her faith. Mm -hmm. she mm -hmm. knew that there was an expectation of a messiah that's right it, granted she didn't know it was she was going to have the role a role as as she did mm -hmm. uh, but uh, she certainly knew that a messiah was coming and i think that's so important whether it be for you know 
young kids that they just know that it's they're open and they it's talked about and it's right. positive because then they it's easier just when we talk about stories it's easier to picture yourself for the story when you know the story right absolutely yeah that's a great point Linda. yeah so um rsvp yeah you, you talked about this yeah and you said um and okay so i'll say i'm i'm guilty of this i think all of us at some time are not not rsvping as yeah. quickly catholics or, are notorious for that yes exactly and so and it does what struck me and i'm hopefully i'll remember this going forward is when we don't rsvp it does reflect on how we view the host whether we know it does or not right right and yeah so what do you yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well i love the thought of ha uh, having a place uh, set aside for me in heaven and i certainly don't want to be a no-show um you know in your prayer time go ahead and say lord i'm i'm responding to the rsvp and i'm going to be there <laughs> you know be positive about it i'm going to be there mm -hmm. with your help through the power of the holy spirit i'm i'm going to be there mm -hmm. so yeah i i remember uh, just in one time i was preparing for you know confession and um I I was doing more like a general one, so longer, and just at the end, I was like, I love him. I just want to be with him, and I just started, you know, tears just started to well up. But it was it was like that was the most honest of what I was saying, right. because it allowed me to look at my life and say, hey, what I did do that wasn't right, or what I did not do that I should have. But at the end of the day, it was like that's where it's. You know, when we have courage, you know, take heart. Mm -hmm. It's we have mm -hmm. courage when we look back, and then when we get true with what we really want, which is we want to be with him. Right, right. And I, I, I love what you said earlier about looking back. Mm -hmm. That's important, not to focus on what you did wrong, but to see where God was there for you at every step of the way when you thought He wasn't there for you. Mm -hmm. um, he's always there for us. Yeah. When I said about picking up that book uh -huh, and finding uh -huh. where the local church was that was if i had to tell you what the day before that day was like it was awful it was yeah. like such a low point but mm -hmm. now when i look back i'm like oh thank you lord yeah those low points can really be bring some high points yeah they're yeah. the kind of the, it's where the propel you know propulsion right you know to right. to get where god wants us to be um just in a little bit of time that we have left it um there was discussion about that we um, should not boast you know you know boast in this but it's so that brought up the idea of humility so talk a little bit about how humility plays out to what we talked about today well um i'm very proud of what little humility i have <laughs> um, which is not much um, humility is recognizing who you are and that really ties into um, this episode, Who Are You Now? When you understand who your God is, you have to become humble. Mm -hmm. You have to see your own humility. And humility comes from the word humus, which is earth, mm -hmm. which means get down to earth. Yeah, Get down to earth because um, don't think too much of, of yourself. That doesn't mean to put yourself down. But remember who you are mm -hmm. in relationship to your Lord and Savior. And then I love 
we'll probably talk about this more next time because it's kind of Paul continues it throughout the letter, but uh, but God who is rich in mercy, mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. that's such a great way of sort of summing up so much because yes, we're al- we're ambling along in life, but God, yeah, and His mercy, yeah, you know, and and that should lead us to being merciful. I think we have to ask ourselves. We all want God's mercy, but how merciful are you? Mm-hmm. Exactly. How merciful are you? Yep. Okay, so um, right now, I think probably what the uh, one thing I want to mention is there is for divine mercy, and it just comes up just like the virtues come up throughout this whole letter, um, is a book I want to recommend is Father by Father Chris Alar, and it's Understanding Divine Mercy. And he does such a great job of putting together so much of divine mercy and simplifies it and how the mass plays so pivotally into this. And... Um, Reading that book at the same time of studying the letter to the Ephesians, mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. really makes you feel what Paul feels, that this is such a great story. It's, he's so excited to be part of it, and he wants everyone to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And we are alive at such a great time in history. Yes. It, 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 in spite of everything going on in the world right now, uh, just think about it. God has chosen you to be here right now to experience the outpouring of his mercy and that's what he's doing right now yes i know and then then when we're and then when we are merciful when we act in mercy to others and we trust him the sky's the limit sky's the limit so here carrie um will you lead us in the closing prayer found on page five of episode two certainly in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen my dear jesus you are my lord and my savior And it is only by your grace that I am able to share in the reward of spending eternity with you. I pray that I will always be open to receive your grace so I may persevere with faith, trusting you until the end. Until then, Lord, help me to bring peace into the world and to live according to your will by doing the good works you have prepared for me. I am grateful that you have chosen me to be a member of your household and that you have saved a place for me in heaven. Thank you for protecting me by drawing me near to you through your precious blood. I wait with faith and hope to be with you one day. Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Join Carrie and me next time as we continue to hear about God's plan to protect and save us. Our next episode is episode three, chapter three in the letter to the Ephesians called Let Christ Dwell in You. It's not too late to download the study guide if you haven't already, and also consider inviting a friend or even an enemy to join you in the study because sharing your faith increases your faith. Until next week, remember what Paul says in chapter two, verse four, God who is rich in mercy because of the great love he had for us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, brought us to life with Christ. By his grace, you have been saved. Now that you know and believe in Jesus Christ, you are a new person through his blood. You belong to him. He has reserved a place for you. And your father requests your presence at his heavenly banquet. Please RSVP. And remember your choices today determine who you are and where you will spend eternity. Until next time, we will be praying for you. Please pray that all will draw closer to Jesus Christ by knowing his word, living his word, and proclaiming his word.
This has been the Letter to the Ephesians Bible Study, a partnership of Proclaim My Word and AM 1160 The Quest. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. If you like what you heard, please consider supporting Proclaim My Word. Just go to ProclaimMyWord.org and hit the donate button. You'll also find the link to register for the current study and receive the study guide at ProclaimMyWord.org. Thank you for your generosity in helping us evangelize by spreading His Word. This has been a production of AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio.